Senate majority will pass legislation. I will fight like hell for you every single day, like I've always done and always will. Welcome to this special edition of New York Now. I'm Dan Clark. In just a few days, the state legislature will be back in Albany for the start of next year's legislative session. And it's an election year, so we might see some big ticket items out of Albany in the next few months. One could be something called the New York Health Act. It would be a huge deal. The bill would create a single-payer healthcare system in New York. That means that instead of a bunch of private insurance companies, healthcare would be handled by the state. So instead of paying a premium to your health insurance company, your health care would be funded through tax dollars. Some say that would be cheaper and easier, while others say it would be more expensive and risky. On this week's show, we're going to look at both sides of the issue. When lawmakers were wrapping up this year's legislative session in June, we spoke to two different panels about the idea, one for and one against. First, we'll hear from the bill's supporters. State Senator Jabari Brisport has been one of the most outspoken proponents of the bill. I spoke with him and Elizabeth Benjamin from the Community Service Society of New York for their side of this issue. Senator Jabari Brisport and Elizabeth Benjamin from the Community Service Society of New York, thank you both so much for being here. Thanks, Dan. Of course. Thank you. Anytime. So, Senator Brisport, I want to go to you first. The legislative session has ended. The New York Health Act did not pass. Why do you think that is? Because for the first time, we have a majority of Democrats in both chambers that have signed on to the bill. So why aren't we seeing it move? There were a confluence of factors that worked together to stall and stop the New York Health Act from coming to a vote. I would say outside pressures came from lobbyist groups that shared misleading information about job loss and increased premiums. There was also um, outside influence against the Health Act from some public sector unions, like my own former union, the UFT, which supported uh, the New York Health Act in 2015, but whose leadership um, was very against it now. Um, there were also, just on the inside, um, some legislators who had co-sponsored the Health Act, but then um, asked leadership not to bring it to a vote. And um, ultimately, the decision fell on leadership to choose to bring it to a vote or not to, and she chose not to. And in the assembly, you know, the speaker chose not to. So it's like we're seeing a situation where people publicly support it, but privately are saying hold off. Is that correct? Yes. So I want to come back to that if we have time, but I want to go to Elizabeth first, because as we talk about the politics of this, I think the policy of it is very important. So. The New York Health Act would create a uh, single-payer system in New York, but a lot of people may not know what that means. So let's start broad. If I'm just a regular New Yorker, I have my private insurance, or maybe I don't even have insurance, how would my life change under the New York Health Act? What would I be looking at? Sure. I mean, you're depending on who you are, your, your life would change not so much, but, or it would change a lot. But in any event, it would be better. Um, and this is why. If you're uninsured, you would have health insurance because every single person in New York State who's a resident of New York State, regardless of immigration status, if you're a resident, you would be eligible. So we have a million people that would instantly get covered. Fantastic. If you are someone who's on Medicaid or Medicare right now, if you're on Medicare right now, the program for the older folks, you would get dental and vision. That's better. But otherwise, it would basically be the same thing. It's the same kind of coverage we're talking about. It's really Medicare for all I think single payer doesn't really make a lot of sense to people. It's really a Medicare for all type of program. 
The third thing is if you have job-based coverage, you're probably facing a deductible right now. And you every year, more and more of your salary goes to paying for health insurance premiums. They, you know, we get more co-pays, higher deductibles, and more cost sharing being put upon um, the employees. And if you're an employer, you know, you just look and like this, they just filed their rate request for next year, even though they all made, the insurance companies made out like bandits last year because no one used healthcare, they're asking for 9% rate increases. Why? So, you know, we have this just uncontrollable cost spiral up that needs to be regulated. One great way to do it is through the New York Health Act. There's other great ways you could do, you know, hospital price regulation, you could do global payments, but the New York Health Act is the best because it solves all those problems. Less bureaucracy for people, less cost sharing for people, um, less headache for employers to have to deal with brokers and whatnot, and you know, um, and more cost controls. So people would be paying nothing out of pocket, including that premium that might be coming out of their paycheck right now. And we also wouldn't have network restrictions. So like, for example, me, I look up which doctors I can go to and which ones are not going to take my insurance. That would be eliminated under the New York Health Act. But I think something that people get hung up on is, they're paying their premium right now, and that would be eliminated under the New York Health Act, but it'd be replaced by a payroll tax for people making above $25,000. Uh, I wanna stick with you, Elizabeth, just for a second. So do we know if generally people would be paying less under the New York Health Act on that payroll tax than they're paying for their premiums for healthcare? I mean, I, as I understand it, and please correct me, Senator Brisport, if I have this wrong, but most people would be paying no more than they are what they are currently paying. I think some of the higher income people might pay a little bit more. Is that right, Senator Brisport? That's, that's correct. The vast majority of New Yorkers would see the same or less in, in annual payments to what for health insurance. So to that point, Senator Brisport, how do you convince people that single-payer health care is the way to go in New York? I feel like just the concept of single-payer has just become so political, both in New York and in the country, where people hear single-payer and they're just immediately turned off by it. So how do you convince people that that would be the way to go and have this fundamental change in New York? I think the biggest thing is convincing people that health care and insurance are not the same thing. You know, you tell people that their insurance might change and they automatically, they freak out. They think, oh, I might not be able to see my current doctor. But that's the thing. People like their doctors. They don't like they necessarily like their insurance provider. And it's important to hammer home that the New York Health Act, any single payer program or Medicare pro program would expand options. You'd be able to see your same doctor and also other doctors by eliminating in-network, in out-of-network um, restrictions. I'd like to also just jump in here. I mean, everybody likes their health insurance fine when they're not sick, but no one likes our healthcare system when you are. And let me tell you why. It's not just the insurance companies. Insurance companies are part of the problem, but also the providers. They bill you. We have one guy that went in for one kidney stone and came out with 28 different bills. Mm. That would not happen under the New York Health Act. Like one kidney stone does not, you know, a, a bill from the anesthesiologist mm -hmm. and the surgeon and that, you know, it goes on and on and on. And so we talk, we need to talk about how to make our program, our whole health insurance and healthcare system more simple for people. This is an amazing way to do that through the New York Health Act. There are many other ways too. Patient Medical Debt Protection Act, which also did not pass this session, um, would be a good start. We need to start thinking, doing, we need to do something because the system right now is broken from the patient's perspective. So Senator Brisport, for New Yorkers that are not insured, where would this legislation leave them if it passes? Uh, it would bring them into uh, the fold and bring them into having health insurance. And why I'm so scared right now is that 
well, one, we have a million New Yorkers that are uninsured, but then millions more who are underinsured. And it's scary for people who are in either of those categories who will be experiencing long-term effects of COVID, who are locked into a dangerous job because they want the health insurance. I'm scared for women who are just staying in abusive relationships because they need the health insurance from their partner. There are a lot of people that could be freed and liberated from this legislation if it passes. And that's the, another reason why we should be doing it. So the premise of this next question is going to sound horrible, so I apologize to people that are watching for this. So under the New York Health Act, everybody's going to be covered and there will be no restrictions in terms of coverage and what doctors you can see and where you can go. Elizabeth, do we in New York have the healthcare infrastructure to support that, support people that may seek the medical care that they were afraid to seek now under yeah. their current insurance coverage? This is the pent up demand argument. So <laughs> and so there's this big worry that, you know, there's all this uh, pent up demand. Well, we had that same argument in when we enacted the Affordable Care Act. Everybody said there'd be huge lines and people wouldn't, there weren't enough primary care doctors and there would be, you know, the whole system would be shot. Well, guess what? We implemented the New York, the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, no problems, no lines, no complaints. The only things were, you know, like a little couple of like things on the margins, but this pent up demand that they all said would be there wasn't there. It just doesn't exist because you know what? People don't, it's not like people sit on, you know, on July 4th weekend and say, oh, I really want to go get surgery next week. I mean, it just doesn't happen. It's not real. And the same thing happened in 1965 and 1963 when we did Medicaid, Medicare, like it never happens. There's no pent up demand, doesn't happen. So, Senator Brisport, on the other side of this issue, you had mentioned that some claims are going around about the impact of the New York Health Act. One is that it would be a job reducer in New York, and we're looking at health insurance jobs and maybe some ripple effects. How do you convince people that this is the right way to go when they may be looking at job losses in the state and some ripple effects that may affect them? I think first things first, it's important to mention that inside the uh, New York Health Act, there is a provision for funding for a, like a just transition for people who need to retrain or look for other jobs. But in a wider sense, it's about universal health care as a job creator, because once, you're in a, once your health care is no longer tied to your employer, it frees up your options. That's going to be great for people who want to freelance, start their own business, who, want, who are running a small business and struggling to bring on more people because of health care costs. So you can think of it as a job creator rather than a job killer. Well, I think there is going to be a lot of discussion on this moving forward, especially as the legislation gains more support in the legislature. But we do have to leave it there. Elizabeth Benjamin from the Community Service Society of New York and Senator Jabari Brisport, thank you both so much. Thank you. Thanks, it's wonderful to see you both. Thank you. One interesting question we'll have heading into next year is if the legislation is changed at all to appeal to more Democrats. Right now, Democrats hold a majority in both the Senate and the Assembly, but most Democrats are against the New York Health Act. And there are some different reasons for that, like how the program would be managed and whether the state can actually do it. So the legislation certainly has its opponents. Two of them are Lev Ginsburg from the State Business Council and Ed Farrell from the Retired Public Employees Association. I sat down with them in June to get their perspective and just a reminder that, again, we taped before lawmakers left Albany for the year, but nothing's changed since then. Lev from the Business Council, Ed from the Retired Public Employees Association, thank you both for being here. 
Thanks for having me. Of course. So we're talking about the New York Health Act, single-payer health care in New York. It's a big idea the Democrats in the legislature are trying to push through before the end of this year's legislative session. It would basically create a whole new health care system for New York uh, called single-payer. And I'm not going to get into the details of that. I just want to talk about this bill. Lev, I want to start with you. Business groups have said that this bill may cause some economic concerns for the state and may actually be bad for New York's bottom line. Can you explain where you're coming from here? Yeah, I, I sure. It's, uh, I think, an understatement to say it might be bad for New York State. It might be bad for the business climate. It might be bad for the economy. Um, there's been a lot of studies. The price range of this package uh, runs anywhere from over 100 billion dollars a year to 250 billion dollars annually. Uh, there's a projected job loss in the state of New York of 161,000 jobs immediately at the inception uh, or the, the enactment uh, of the bill uh, to become law. It would completely change uh, a number of things including tax structure. It would put a 10% payroll tax uh, across the board, 80% eight, eight, of that paid by employers, 20% uh, of that paid by employees. So you would see your average employee have an increase in their taxes of, uh, just payroll taxes, uh, on the low end of 18%, and that would be for low earners. It would be, I think it would not be hyperbolic to say that it would be an economic disaster in the state of New York. So when we talk about single payer, something that a lot of people bring up is, well, it's going to cost a lot of money, obviously, but will that outweigh what we are already paying in health premiums. Has there been any analysis on that in terms of the New York Health Act? Would, would, it, be, would it cost more than people are already paying out of pocket for insurance right now? Sure. I, you know, it, it really obviously is going to depend on who you ask, and it's going to depend individually. But <clears throat> And you can always find folks who are going to have a different experience. But by and large, you're shifting from premium to taxation with no cap on the taxation. There's very little question that it's going to cost many much, much more. Um, and, and just to give an example, a couple examples. Um, one would be if you happen to be a lower earner, you're currently not paying into, ta into, the, into the tax system as much, um, and you, you may be taking uh, part in a Medicaid program or you may be taking part in one of the other programs that are both state and federally funded where you're getting a very low cost coverage. Mm. That's going to go away. You're going to start paying this 18% tax increase that I mentioned a moment ago. So for that person, it certainly would be a very big deal. For the employer, on the other hand, um, you're paying whatever you're paying in premium. You're going to be supplanting that with an 80% of this 10% overall tax. When, if you remember back maybe 10 years ago when we were discussing the ACA, Obamacare, mm -hmm. um, and, and one of the things we kept hearing, the mantra out of Washington was, if you like your plan, you can keep your plan. Right. This plan makes all plans in New York illegal except this. So the absolute mantra here is if you like your plan, too bad. It's gone. So you would be forced to go onto this. You can't keep your plan. It would be illegal to sell any other insurance product covering these things in the state of New York. So that's a good segue to Ed. The Retired Public Employees Association has a position that we don't really know what's going to happen to the benefits of retired public employees under this legislation, or maybe we do. Can you explain your position? Certainly. Um, retired public employees have spent their whole career waiting for this moment. Building toward that to benefit. enjoy the benefits that they've earned. Uh, there's a provision in this bill that talks about lessening benefits, which is quite alarming. Uh, specifically, it says if, if in fact this new plan, this New York Health Act, 
diminishes your benefits, that you would go back to where you used to be to get your benefits from that program. So and as it, Lev just said, that program no longer exists. So would it be that you don't have as much coverage? Like, how, do we know how the plans would change? Is it, is it that certain things wouldn't be covered anymore? Um, would any costs go up for retired public employees? Well, we don't know. That's the uncertainty. They're asking us to believe that if we go into this new plan, that everything will be better. Specifically also for, uh, you could be a retired public employee who no longer lives in the state of New York, uh, which means that you are getting benefits. Either one, you're on Medicare, which a lot of our members are, or two, you have a supplemental plan, maybe from your local jurisdiction, uh, your municipality or your county. Uh, but that would have been based in New York, and those plans would no longer exist. It's tough. I, I, I couldn't imagine being a retired public employee and being uncertain about that. Hopefully we can get some clarification from the bill sponsors as to actually how this is all going to work for them. But I do want to circle back to the jobs question with you, Lev. Um, you'd mentioned that we would lose, the state would lose 160,000 jobs if this went into law. Can you describe what jobs we're talking about here? Are we just talking about um, jobs in the health insurance industry? I guess, who are we looking at in terms of who would no longer be employed? Well, of course, you'd be talking about jobs in the health insurance industry because they would cease to exist. But you'd also be talking about um, jobs in, in, in the producer community or the broker community, people that, that make those connections. Um, and, and then, you know, it sort of moves out from there. There's all kinds of ancillary businesses that rely on those businesses, quite frankly, to, to, uh, to exist. So it, it goes down to even as much as the luncheonette, you know, down the road from, 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 the, uh, from the facility where, where a thousand people might be losing their job. Um, and it's not concentrated actually in one area of the state. Uh, there's really large job losses on Long Island, uh, certainly in New York City, all the way up to Hudson Valley, and then, and then throughout, throughout you know, the I-90 corridor. So the pain would be felt really sort of across the board. Um, so I, I think 161,000 is the number that, that we're talking about when the bill is enacted, when it goes into effect, rather than sort of what the long-term impact of this bill could be, which could be much worse. So we're almost out of time. I, I have one closing question for both of you, because I think that we, everybody can agree that healthcare in New York and across the country is too expensive, and health insurance is unaffordable for a lot of people. From both of your perspectives, and I'll start with you first, Ed, how, if not the New York Health Act, can we lower the cost of healthcare and health insurance in New York? Well, I'm not an expert on lowering the cost, but I, I can tell you this, that most people like the insurance they have. Now, let me just add one thing that's really scary. If the state were to take over all the healthcare, and we saw what happened, we, seniors, retirees, who were in the first wave of people trying to get vaccinated. It was a disaster. And it was horrible. And the process was unworkable. Very disorganized. Especially for seniors. Yes. Who are not computer literate, who needed help. And uh, going into this brave new world, I don't think is the way to go. Lev, go ahead. So I think that Ed is right. I mean, we have a problem. The problem is that we have 95% coverage in the state of New York. Um, we have to close this small gap, and there are a lot of ways we can do it. But as far as controlling costs of health care, there are a slew of things that could be done. Um, I think that we should start maybe at taking a look at uh, some malpractice reform. 
looking at things that are driving up the cost, unnecessary te uh, testing, what we would call defensive medicine. And when it comes to plan design, you know, plans are really, uh, they're, they have to choose from a very, very narrow sort of field of, of plans. There was a time where you could have a more robust choice of plans, one that was more narrowly tailored to sort of, you know, your needs. All of those things can be done one at a time or together in, in more of a Unibus package uh, without, without doing something so unbelievably extreme uh, and creating a health plan that's honestly more draconian than any in the world with the exception of perhaps Cuba and Belarus. It's a really interesting conversation and I think it's one that we're going to continue having for, I don't know, in perpetuity until everybody's happy with what they're paying for health insurance and what they're getting for health insurance. But we got to leave it there. Lev Ginsberg from the Business Council, Ed Farrell from the Retired Public Employees Association. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. So stay tuned on that. I'm sure we'll be hearing more about it in the next few months. In the meantime, there's another issue on the horizon in Albany that's worth looking back on. That's good cause eviction. Earlier this year, the city of Albany became the first in the state to enact good cause, which basically makes it harder for landlords to evict tenants without a good excuse. And now there's a push to enact it statewide. Reporter Daryl Camp dug into the issue earlier this year for a story that's worth revisiting. Take a look. For the more than half of New Yorkers who rent their residence, access to secure and affordable housing is a top issue. That's why New York's capital city of Albany recently became the first city in the state to approve what's called good cause eviction. That makes it harder for landlords to evict tenants without a clear reason why. If there's not a good cause for eviction, a tenant could challenge their landlord in court. And lawmakers at the state level are considering similar legislation for when they return to Albany next year. Albany Common Councilman Alfredo Ballerin, who sponsored that measure in Albany, says that it protects both landlords and tenants. Because if someone calls in a complaint, a landlord, how it currently is, a landlord could have removed somebody within 30 or 90 days based on the amount of time that they've lived in the property if they didn't have an existing uh, lease. Or they can refuse to renew a lease based on somebody's complaint. So really, that's who this is protecting. This is not protecting bad tenants. If a tenant doesn't file the lease, that's a good cause for eviction. If a tenant doesn't pay the rent, that's a good cause for eviction. Even before the law passed, the city of Albany already operated under the rules of good cause. Landlords had to get permission from a city court judge to remove a tenant. But council members like Awusu Anani say making that practice permanent by passing it into law is important. Yes, we definitely want to send a message to future mayors, future legislators, uh, future judges that when it comes to uh, housing, it, housing is a human right and we have to protect tenants. There are 60% of residents in the city of Albany rent, are renters, and we want to make sure that we are protecting them. But some involved in the issue of housing think the measure would do more harm than good if implemented at the state level. One of them is Jay Martin, the executive director of the Community Housing and Improvement Program, or CHIP, which represents property owners in the New York City area. We've seen when there are stronger laws and preventing more investment, uh, we see that there are actually less rental housing for folks. We actually need to be encouraging more, more housing to be built. We need more opportunities for people to live in places like uh, Ithaca, Schenectady, uh, Upstate, uh, Albany, uh, Rochester, et cetera. So we actually need to be promoting policies and legislation that will actually promote more rental housing instead of less. And that's exactly what Just Cause will do. 
In the state legislature, Senator Julia Salazar, a Democrat from Brooklyn, sponsors a similar bill that would enact good cause statewide. Her bill would also prevent eviction statewide if landlords don't give a clear reason for a tenant's removal. It would also require landlords to offer a renewal lease to tenants who are not evicted. And while some think that would reduce access to housing, Salazar says there is no proof to back that up. Whenever we seek um, in, in the legislature to uh, implement more protections for tenants or some uh, version of rent control, um, they, the opposition says that this is going to uh, drive down um, home values and property values. This is going to cause an exodus out of the city. And time and time again, when we have implemented strong rent regulation in some cases, um, such as the, the existing rent regulation system in, in New York City, uh, that that hasn't been the case. Supporters like Salazar see the idea as a way to protect tenants from losing housing from either eviction or hefty rent increases. Salazar's bill would also prevent landlords from evicting tenants if they raise the rent too much at a time. And while that might seem like a good deal for tenants, Martin from CHIP says that it would cap revenue at a level that may not be sustainable long term. All this does is allow pr property owners and lawmakers to be put in a position where they're saying, well, we've passed this law, so therefore there are more protections. And in reality, it's virtually guaranteeing rent increases because it's built into the law uh, that says that uh, a property owner has a, a minimum amount of rent that they'll have to uh, apply for, that they're legally required to have. And so owners will have to uh, go for that rent increase because they'll be concerned that if they ever go for an increase more than that, because the cost to operate demands it, they won't be able to get it because of this new law. That could change the relationship between tenants and landlords across New York. But for some, that might not be a bad thing. In Albany, Mayor Kathy Sheehan says that since the city started operating under the good cause eviction standard, it has provided peace of mind for both tenants and landlords. Well, certainly it's about making sure that everybody knows the rules of the road before they go into court. And it sets a very clear set of considerations that judges in the city of Albany have to go through as they, uh, you know, oversee an eviction proceeding. As of now, the bill remains in the state Senate Judiciary Committee and the Assembly Housing Committee, with legislators set to return to Albany in January. And there are many, many more issues that are sure to come up next year, but too many to fit into this week. We'll see you next week for another special edition of New York Now. Have a great week and be well.